0: At 27 minutes after the hour on this uh, Thursday morning, we're joined by Pastor Robbie Pruitt. He's an Anglican pastor, church in uh, in in uh, Fairfax, Virginia, lives in Ashburn, just a, a stone's throw from Washington, D.C.
1: Thanks so much for having well, me. Well, we look
0: forward to this. Robbie is a man of many talents. Oh. I you. Do you groan or anything? Oops.
1: Nice segue if we're going to be nice. talking about Very the, parable nice. of the talents. That's I, Very I, like, nice. I like what you I see what you did there.
0: Yeah. Well, he's, he's, it it he's it was case. less than subtle, but but talents was a, a measure of weight I've learned. I I knew it was, but I had no idea how much a talent was. And it, it apparently, through the eons, it, it's been used in Akkadian culture, and Babylonian, and, and Greek, and Roman, and it, it's a little different in each each case. It used to be like a little, just a coin, but by the time of the Second Temple, Wikipedia tells me it was about 63 pounds of whatever it could be silver or gold, but usually it was it was metal, which would make it pretty valuable. Uh, there were 60 minas in a talent and uh, to haul to haul ten talents around would have taken a a wagon pulled by an oxen i would think but nonetheless he need help huh? nonetheless now, now jesus doesn't mention in his two parables what the material is but we assume it's valuable and it, has, it, it may be fungible maybe it's money like you know if it was a gold block he could chip off a piece and, and 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 buy something with it a bushel of wheat or something um but in, in each case, we got uh, just so people are, if you want to open your Bibles, Matthew 25 and Luke 19. Each one is a parable. Uh, now, the one in Luke doesn't mention talents, but it's, mm-hmm. it has strange similarity to the, the, uh, the talent one in, in, in Matthew. Robbie, is there a link between the two?
1: That's a. Good, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, there is a cross-reference as if these are, are parallel passages. So if you've got like a, a ESV Study Bible, or in my case, a New King James Version Cultural Study Bible, you'll see a cross-reference between Luke 19 verse 11 through the end of the uh, the, the parable and Matthew 25 14 through 30. So Matthew 25 14 through 30 is the the parable of the talents as we've been talking about. And it talks about a man who goes off to a far country. In Luke, we have a king. And it's as Jesus is leaving uh, where Jericho, basically, where Herod has a palace, and he's going up to Jerusalem to be crucified. This is after the Zacchaeus account where Jesus is dining with uh, Zacchaeus, and he says today salvation has come to this household. And here it's almost like um, it's the same parable, but it's told differently
0: to well, it, address— It could well have been um, two different occasions, but when when he was on on the way from Jericho up to Jerusalem toward what we call Passion Week, he was traveling with a group of pilgrims, and he mm-hmm. did stay at Zacchaeus's house. But it seemed like his parables and his stories and his teaching for his disciples in the crowd were much more pointed toward mm-hmm. the crucifixion and the and the resurrection. It was much more specific. He was telling them there's going to be a change here. and and this this parable in Luke has my particular attention because this is this is all about Roman politics, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. And we were just beginning our time about the political situation. In our country, and certainly in the world, when we're talking about the Israel-Gaza war, we're we're talking about our politics and and fistfights breaking out on the floor. I mean, what do you think about your leaders is being addressed here in, in reference to the King in Luke 19? So, I actually like the Lukean account a little bit better because of this nuance, mm-hmm. Be- because it's this this idea that the opportunity to invest. In the king's name, this king's going to, or this potential king is going to to get his position from Rome, and he's going to return and rule.
0: Now, in this case, it was the history Herod the Great had to do that, and it was about 37 to 38 B.C., so it was before Jesus' time, when he went to sell himself to the Roman Senate. I need to be king. Yeah. And, and he and had to make a case, a political case, to do so. He had to convince himself. In the meantime, back home, he had supporters and opponents.
1: And the Jews didn't like him or think that he was Jewish, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, Her- Herod the Great was Jewish like Olive Garden is Italian. I mean, it, it's the, <laughs> it, it just doesn't fit. And so they're basically saying, we don't want that guy ruling over us. We don't want to set up shop. And, and, you know, King Herod's shoes or King Herod's, you know, in the name of King Herod, whatever the business is, you say, you, know, you name it. Uh, they don't want to do that, nor do they think he'll get his kingship and come back. In this case, it's, it's Jesus who's going to, to the right hand of the Father. And he's saying, I will return. And, and so the, the parallel is the earthly reality of how the king comes into power, and the heavenly reality that Jesus, our king, is about to come to power. A classic,
0: classic parable format, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, death, through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And remember, that's throne language. Mm-hmm. Jesus is going to ascend his throne. He's going to come back and implement his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven.
0: Now, I don't want to jump ahead, but there's, there's, there's another factor here. In Herod's time, this would have, would have involved violence. I mean, when, when Herod came back and was made king, he would have eliminated the competition back in the home territory. There would have been people dying. Yeah. so the, that is reflected in this parable, is it not?
1: Yeah, I mean, let's just look at it. Let's get into the text yeah. so we can kick around reality instead of theory here. Uh, Luke 19, 11 says, now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable. Jesus spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem. So he's telling them this because he's going to Jerusalem, the seat of power here, because they thought that the kingdom of God would appear immediately. And this is the problem with the religious leaders and the crowds with Jesus because they do not see a militant Messiah dealing with Rome immediately. And that's what they believe the kingdom of, of God would look like on earth would be a, a violent um, military overthrow of Rome and the powers to be here and now immediately.
0: Reestablishing David's throne.
1: Right. And then he tells the parable. Now, let's just look at the parallel passage here in in Matthew 25. So if you go to Matthew 25 and look at the parable of the talent and and read 25, 14, that parable, which I believe is the same, I think it's the same story, told differently for a different effect, maybe even at a different time, but the heart of it is the same. So Jesus says... For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. So this is just a general man here. This isn't a king who called his own servants and delivered goods to them. And to the one he gave five talents, to another uh, he gave two, and to another he gave one talent. And you just discussed perfectly and brilliantly just how heavy this gift would have been. Uh, One talent up to upwards of 65, 70 pounds, five talents. I mean, you're talking, uh, that's a lot of weight. And you're right, you would need almost an ox cart. You would need people helping you. And uh, the master here, this man who's going to the far country, anticipates that his servants will invest this money, will use this money, this five talents, this two talents, this one talent of gold, silver, whatever whatever the valuable uh, metal is, whatever the weight is, that he, that they are going to put this to use for the advancement of his purposes in in the world. Now, when you look at uh, Luke 19, you've got minas, so it, it's different. It's not talent. But it's minas. And again, I'm in the New King James version when we're talking about this. And then he's calling, in this case, not three different people with three different measures. In this case, he's, he's got 10 of his servants and he's delivering 10 minas. So you, you've got more of an equality here. And he tells them to do business. Now, it's inferred that he wants them to do business in his name. Basically, they're establishing his platform for when he returns. But they don't want this this king ruling over them. He says a certain nobleman went off to a far country. So that's the same, the far country piece. But here, instead of just a man, we have a nobleman Mm -hmm. in Luke's gospel. He goes to receive for himself a kingdom, which means he wants to become the king, to have this kingdom, and then to return. And then he calls the ten servants, gives them ten minas, and said to them, do business until I come. Again, what's implied here is that that is in his name. So it's very similar to what we're seeing on social media these days. Uh, people are of influence. Social media influencers are establishing platforms in their name, so to promote their agenda or their purposes. Well, here
0: it would mean these people. He was asking them, in essence, in in the using the king um, allegory, to campaign for him.
1: Yeah, to root for yeah. him
0: while he is over trying to acquire the crown from, in this case, Father God, but or the Senate in Rome.
1: And what, what if you don't believe in your leader? Do you unseat him from being the speaker of the house? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I mean, this is, this is what we're dealing with basically when we're talking about, you know, they don't necessarily want this, you know, and it's crass too. this SOB, this,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, what leading for me and I'm not going to campaign for him. I'm not going to do business in his name. So that's the problem so he tells them to do business until he comes but his citizens hated him so the passage is clear that nobody likes this person and they sent a delegation after them and said we will not have this man and that's that's the crass this man Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's pretty much um an insult they don't want him to reign over them verse 15 says and so it was that when he returned having received the kingdom, so he does achieve kingship, and he does come back. Mm -hmm. And now what for these servants that that aren't obedient? Now what are they going to do? And he commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by their trading. In other words, here, here comes the judgment, here comes the accountability, and here comes the application for us. Jesus is our king. He's our crucified, died, buried, risen, ascended king. And he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And if we believe he's coming back, he's going to make us accountable. We're going to be held to account for what what he has given us, that we have done business in his name. In other words, that we've been campaigning for him, that we believe that he is who he says he is, and that we've made much of him and made his name great here. And unfortunately, many of us, I mean, I've got an online platform. You have one. We're on one right now. Uh, Many of us have a platform. The, The question is, are we making our name great or are we making much of him? and that's the issue here. Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned 10 more minas. And he said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant, because you were faithful in a little, I will make you faithful over 10 cities. Now, the Matthew account says, You've been faithful with a little, I will make you faithful over much. Here, we have 10 cities, which could also be A reference to the Decapolis, which Mm. means actually ten cities, like this Gentile region. In other words, God's rule and reign is going to be over these Roman cities, uh, and and you get to rule over this land. Uh, I'm going to make you ruler over ten cities, and you'll have authority. And to the second, the same. Master, your mina has earned five more. Likewise, he said to him, I will make you ruler over five cities. And another came and said, "Master, your mine, here is your mina. I'm going to give you back what you gave to me." Now, why is this guy holding on to it? Well, he's not going to gamble with this money because if the master doesn't get his kingship and he doesn't return, he can keep it. He's, and he can invest it in what he wants uh, to invest or, it in.
0: Or he's toast depending upon what what happens with the
1: the, and, the king, and here yeah. we have toast because the King mm. has arrived
0: Yes, <laughs> and
1: and he's being held to account. I mean, he's, he's being, his feet are being held to the fire here. He says here, I'm going to give you back what you gave me. In other words, I didn't believe you. I didn't believe in you. I didn't believe you were going to come back and rule. I didn't want, I didn't want you ruling over me. So I wasn't doing business in your name. And frankly, I thought I was going to get a talent out of this deal. Mm. So it's an example of a subject not wanting the master's leadership or the king's leadership, but wanting the king's stuff, wanting the king's uh, glory, wanting the king's money, wanting the king's uh, belongings, power. This person is, is well, it's mutiny. I mean, Doug, Doug uh, Greenwald of Preserving Bible Times used to talk about the fall as mutiny. Mm-hmm. where where the, the sailors try to take over the ship from the captain. I mean, that's exactly what we have here. And the Bible is just about that, creation, fall, rescue, restoration, creation, fall, or mutiny, rescue, and restoration, or the consummation of all things. And we talked about the consummation, the coming together with the wedding feast and the parable of the virgins, which comes right before the talents, in mm. Matthew's gospel. This comes right before that. So these things are related. Jesus is telling these parables in succession, making a similar point.
0: He's also dampening down the feeling that he, he is going to be the Messiah they expected and and to, to have some patience here. You he will be out working for me in the world for a while, and then I'll come back. I'm struck by another aspect of this, and and, and this may have some cultural implications, and maybe that's why I'm confused. But it seems to me this one who had the the one mina uh, says that uh, I was afraid of you because you're a severe man. You take what you did not collect or what you did not deposit, reap what you did not sow. He used his fear as a defense of his action. Yeah. And Jesus says that's not going to cut it.
1: Yeah. And in, in the Matthew's account, he buries the talent. Mm-hmm. He buries, he buries the talent and digs it up. He, and he says something very similar. I knew that you were a harsh man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you you gather, you reap where you don't sow, you gather where you haven't scattered. And he says, Hey, if you knew that I was a harsh person, if you knew, in other words, he's accusing him of being evil, basically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He says, If you knew I was, quote, evil. Why didn't you put the money in the bank and then give me my money back with interest? Now, there is something cultural going on in the Matthew account with that statement because it was unlawful for a Jew to lend money with interest.
0: That's true.
1: Right. Mm. So Kenneth Bailey makes this point in um, Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes when he says, if it's unlawful, And if this is what the servant believed about the man who went off to the far country in return, the man calls him to task. If you thought that I had no morals, why not put the money in the bank and charge interest? Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So in other words, I'm going to hold you accountable to your own standards or your own thoughts about me, even though they're wrong. And he judges them. He says, you know, I'm going to take from you and give to the one who has ten talents. For even for even what you have, and, and there's a brilliant, will be taken from you. He says this. To the ones who are faithful, in Matthew 25, 21, his Lord said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He who had received two talents the same, and then the one who had received one, this is verse 24, came to him and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. In other words, you're a thief. Mm -hmm. This This is what he's trying to say in so many words. Verse 25, but I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. I buried it. And a lot of us bury it bury what? Bury our talents, bury our potential, bury the gifts that God has given to us. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew I reap where I have not sown, gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, which would have been unlawful for a Jew. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest." And there it is. This is so where take... the two
0: two parables are really, really, really close. I mean, the same words in each one. Yeah. So, so I, I'm wondering if if uh, if the Luke account, being later in his ministry, was 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 that revised a little bit, and there's a different ending to it, uh, that I'm not. Ne- I, I, I claim I've never really understood. Uh, the other servants complained that the, the man who had ten minors was given this one too. And I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Mm. Um, what does that mean?
1: <laughs> what, does it, what does it mean? <laughs> oh Well, that's a good question. If you have nothing, what can be taken away from you? And, and that, I, I believe, that is the reality where we're all renters. In other words, we really don't possess anything. Uh, Anything that we have, we have because God has given it to us. So even if we have nothing, there are things that we have that even that will be taken from us. And so the one who is living and risking and has got his cards on the table, he's pushing his chips in, this is the person that is rewarded with even the, the one who squandered the talent, Was entrusted with, now he's rewarded with that. He gets what that other person didn't. So, in other words, if you are producing more fruit, taking more risk, then God will entrust you with even more. Why? Because you'll use it. And we play it safe. Most of us have a scarcity mindset, we're risk adverse, and it's actually it's actually a commentary on how we feel or what we think about God. Uh, Doug Greenwald of Preserving Bible Times used to love to quote A.W. Tozer, mm. where Tozer says, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. Your worldview or your view of God will shape how you live and will shape how you give and shape how you take risk." Because people who are risk adverse are fearful. Now, we're supposed to be wise. I'm not saying be foolish, but we're supposed to take risk. Why? Because God calls us to. I mean, He's more angry at the one who squanders the least amount than the other two who put all the money and more of it on the line.
0: In a sense, this is, would be like rejecting a gift. In other words, Absolutely. you say, God owns everything. We have nothing that, that really stacks up to our name. Um, and if, if, if he's given us abilities and talents, if I might use the word, aptitudes, skills, and we refuse to use them on his behalf, it's like rejecting the gift we've been given.
1: Yeah. And and thereby rejecting the giver.
0: Mm, Yes.
1: Because when someone's giving you a gift and you reject it and don't use it, it's not just the gift you're rejecting. It's the giver of the gift. Mm. And again, this goes back to what do you think about God? Do you think he's just out to have an I gotcha moment? where you you do the best you can, you take everything he's given you, you put it on the line, you attempt to live and serve and give to the fullness. And then when he comes back and sees maybe you lost some, maybe it didn't work out the way it should, he's going to slap your hand and judge you and not provide for you. Or remember, I mean, it doesn't matter how much of the return He's saying to the first, two, well done, good and faithful servant. And one has a lesser return than the other. So does it matter what the return is or that you've got skin in the game? And so the person who buries it is uh, communicating something about what they feel about God. I don't believe he's my king. I don't believe he's returning. I don't want to make his name great. I want to make my name great. These are the types of things, or I think he's a crook or criminal. So I'm just going to bury it and give him back what's his. When you say, when Jesus is calling the man to the task, then if you think I'm a crook or a criminal, why didn't you give me my interest? And this is a rhetorical question because he's not. He's a just God, he's a good God, he's a God who rewards, he's a king who rewards his servants. But you gotta be in it to win it, as they say. Okay. You, you gotta have skin in the game to make it work.
0: There's verse twenty seven in Luke. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them yeah. before me. That that, that basically is, is, is addressing these pilgrims and his disciples with, with the with their real world result of doing it wrong.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's judgment. And then in Matthew's gospel, how does the account end? Verse 29 and 30. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast, cast that unprofitable servant, any profit. I mean, he just wants any return. But not no return. Not even he's not looking for you to just give back what you gave what he gave to you give it back to him that's not what what he wants cast that unprofitable servant into the outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and most of the time if we're honest with ourselves we regret the chances we did not take not the ones we did and even failed at Think back over your life. Think over your relationship with God. Think about your dating relationships. Think about your relationship with your wife or your significant other. Do you risk the opportunities that you didn't take or the ones where you did take and fail? God wants us to trust him with what he's given us to live our lives to the full and invest the gifts he's given us for the advancement of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven.
0: Now you've given me chills. Okay. I'm looking (laughs) back, and I'm thinking, when I refuse to take the risk, what what was the result? And I'm not liking what I'm seeing. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Robbie.
1: <laughs> well, I got to go lick my wounds too, gentlemen. So you know I'm in it with you. Joy to be with you, Jim and David, on the broken road. Thanks for having yeah. me, on.
0: Robbie, the executive director of Preserving Bible Times. You need to know that, and you should know about Preserving Bible Times. You can pay them a visit from our website if you're listening there this morning. Just over to the right-hand page of the the homepage there, click on Preserving Bible Times. You'll discover a world of biblical context that explains to you what's between the lines, and including the Roman background. Down, uh, to that that particular parable in, in luke in particular robbie uh, bless you thank you we're so grateful for what you bring us every week be good thank we'll you very much a, robbie w- w- uh, we won't see you next week but uh, it'll be a couple weeks and we'll be back okay
1: looking forward to a yeah. joy and a privilege gentlemen mm. godspeed uh, bye-bye Bye.